Hello, and welcome to episode... Hmm. I should probably finish my mouthful first, right? How rude. Mm. Delicious chocolate biscuit. Let's start again. Hello, welcome to episode six of The Secret Diary of a Network Administrator. And it's been a busy month for me, um, a busy couple of months. Um, I've got a few little bits and pieces I'd like to talk about today. Discuss what I've been up to, some of the things I've uh, discovered. Let's start off with your friend and mine, direct access. Uh, I was doing some infrastructure stuff at our USA office. And um, one of the things I did up there was remove their RW uh, DC. And um, I then went on to do some direct access bits and pieces somewhere else. And when I was in the direct access console, I had some errors. And it turns out that um, the each direct access entry point is tied to a particular DC when you initially configure that entry point. And um, it uses that DC for getting all sorts of direct access configuration information from. And it's bizarre, but it's not intelligent enough just to find another DC. And so um, it, it couldn't contact the original DC because I decommissioned it. And um, that was causing the errors in the console. And uh, the way I found out was I ran a PowerShell command called get-da entry point DC. And that showed me all our entry points and all the DCs that each entry point is uh, attached to. And what I found was uh, the particular entry point in the USA um, came up with an error that it was unable to contact the DC when it had the DC name there as an error. And so I ran set-da entry point DC to point it to a new DC and bingo, everything started working again. Woohoo! So that was that first one. The second direct access funny I had was I had to install, uh, commission a new direct access entry point um, in our Dubai office. And I thought, you know what, let's let's go to server 2016. Um, so I installed it, uh, put the direct access role on, started to configure it. And as it was going through the configuration, it came up with an error. I forget the actual error. I put it on my website, fearthepanda.com, uh, a couple of posts down. And it turns out that uh, because the whole of our direct access infrastructure is built on Windows Server 2012 R2, um, you have to build the rest of it using the same operating system. Uh, so as soon as I removed decommissioned the 2016 server, rebuilt it as a 2012 R2 server, reinstalled the direct access role, got to the configuration stage, and it went through without any errors. Who knew? I mean, why? Why would that even be the case? doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, but there you are. So the lesson learned, it appears that if you have direct access installed, any subsequent entry points need to be the same operating system as uh, as everywhere else. Uh, I suppose I should talk about why I hate Config Manager, seeing as I uh, gave the title of this podcast, Why I Hate Config Manager. 
I think because my role has changed um, in my last job, I was predominantly administering conflict manager. And uh, I'd say 70 or 80% of my time. Uh, whereas now, I'm doing everything. <laughs> uh, and config manager, uh, as you all know, if you've got it yourself, even in a small shop, is pretty much a full-time job. Um, and it's just a life-sucking time vampire, basically. Um, for so many, many reasons. Uh, I'm about to upgrade it to um, the latest version of current branch. 1806, is it? I think. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to do a project plan for that and get that sorted. Uh, but, you know, theoretically, yes, I can just click a button in Config Manager um, and let it upgrade. But who does that, right? You know, I've got to make sure we've got backups. and You know, then there's the ADK. Do I install the latest version of the ADK? I don't know if anybody's done done that. Um, I had a quick look yesterday, the day before, and there's not a lot of information out there on the internet. And we all know what a terrible history the ADK has. Um, at the moment, I'm inclined not to upgrade ADK. Um, the version we have is still compatible when I looked at the chart on Microsoft. Um, so I think I think this is probably the last time we can get away with it. And the next version that's to come of Config Manager will need to upgrade the ADK. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's just another headache. Um, it's not often that it goes smoothly. Usually something breaks although in the past I've upgraded the ADK as well so maybe not this time but you know usually imaging breaks or something to do with imaging um, and that always takes forever to fix you know the fix is usually simple but trying to pinpoint what that fix is um, you know I've still got issues now where something won't image and someone then shout out uh, someone will say imaging's broken and you're like oh god here we go and then it takes an hour or two hours just to prove them wrong. Um, you know, there's some there's some good things uh, about it. <laughs> it. I mean, it does like it does make life easier. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, it's a love hate relationship, really. When it's working, it's really nice. Um, is it? I don't know. I mean, I've been behind. I've been doing other, so many other things, um, and I had a backlog of applications to deploy. And um, even though I'm using PowerShell for a lot of my application deployments now, uh, which I definitely recommend people do, it still takes forever. Um, so yeah, uh, I could talk about that actually. If you don't use PowerShell to deploy your applications, and I'm, I'm not talking about the script node where you can run a script, I'm talking about using the application method and running or deploying a PowerShell script that deploys your app, even if it's an MSI. It's well worth looking into and investigating that because in the long run, it's going to save you a lot of time, um, particularly for those um, problem applications or applications that need frequent distribution because of upgrades like Java 
I, I did one um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Mimecast, the Mimecast plugin. And uh, that seems to have frequent um, frequent deployments because they're forever upgrading it. Um, the last time I deployed it, it wasn't actually deployed as a PowerShell script. So this time I created a PowerShell script. And although it's an MSI, so theoretically I could have gone next, 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 next. Uh, it's a bit of a problem app in that it requires a check for the bitness of Office in order to deploy the right version. And we have uh, a mixed environment. We have some users with 64-bit Office and some with 32-bit Office. And so, uh, you know, I wrote that test in PowerShell. It was a lot easier. It's done now. Also, you need to have Outlook closed as well, or it won't deploy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you can do all that in Config Manager natively because I did that last time. But this time, it's it's so so quick to deploy and future versions in particular will be incredibly quick to deploy um have a look at my website fearthepanda.com uh, i think it's the latest post unless i post something between between now and releasing this podcast um but it's about deploying mimecast using powershell you'll see it on there and you'll see how i did it um and hopefully you'll see what i mean uh, the future versions of mimecast will be a doddle um i've done it for java Java is a great one for PowerShell. Um, you can make sure that all previous versions of Java are completely and cleanly uninstalled um, before installing the latest version. It's just so easy. It really is so easy. And I've spoken about it in the past, actually, in, in previous podcasts about um, a quick recap. I can't remember which podcast it was a couple back where a friend of mine said that his SCCM admin was having trouble deploying uh, an Adobe, some sort of Adobe app. Um, and I, I suggested then on the podcast that I'm sure PowerShell would, would have been the way to go. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you need to, to look into it. Uh, and, you know, not always. It's, I wouldn't say I 100% deploy everything via PowerShell because some things I just don't need to. It's, it's pointless. Um, but I would say 80, at least 80% now of my deployments are via PowerShell. And, you know, once you've, once you've written that script... That's it. It's done. You know, it's a one-off script, um, particularly if you write it in a fairly good way, which I'm trying to do in doing a job properly. Um, then when you have future versions of that same app, it's a doddle to deploy again. So, uh, yeah, so it's a love-hate love relationship, right? Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Right. That's Config Manager. What can I talk about next? Um, what else have I been up to? Uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, we're probably a bit late in joining the Office 365 bandwagon. Uh, but we finally got there. Um, well, I say finally got there. We haven't finished, but we are well on our way now, well into it. Um, really, we didn't have a good reason to go into it. You know, we didn't have any problems with our current exchange deployment. We had DAGs. Didn't really have any issues. Um, but we've gone we've gone the Office 365 route, and it's going to be great. We'll be able to free up a lot of infrastructure, a lot of servers, a lot of hardware, um, a lot of patching. Um, in the long run, it's going to be a lot easier for us. Um, I deployed the, um, the, the Teams app uh, using 
conflict manager. Um, and in this instance, I didn't use PowerShell. Um, it's pointless. There's nothing finicky about it. I can't see myself having to deploy future versions of it all the time because uh, it self-upgrades. Um, so, you know, it, it is a judgment call when it comes to the, the PowerShell side of things uh, on SCCM. But back to Teams, um, as I say, it's uh, very early days. Um, some things are a bit disappointing, um, but maybe maybe only to IT pros like ourselves, you know. Um, the markdown language is very limited. Um, if you've been listening to my previous podcast uh, or podcasts, you'll know that um, I've done a lot of markdown documentation in GitHub. And it would be nice to import that into Teams using all the existing markdown. But there's going to be some uh, conversion <laughs> I'm going to have to do. So it's a bit annoying. Um, also, the GitHub, um, what do they call it? The GitHub plugin channel. What's it called in, in Teams? You can tell I'm new to it, right? The little thing where you can you can add, add the bits and pieces, like where you can add OneNote or whatever you... Um, the integration is is pretty poor. <laughs> it definitely doesn't help me in any way because um, it doesn't give me access to documentation. It just gives me help just to pull requests and rubbish that I'm just not going to need. Uh, the phone app's all right um, for communication. It's pretty good on the phone. Uh, I'm using it on Android. Um, it's a bit slow and cumbersome, I found, when opening a one notebook. Um, that I configured as a tab. Tabs. That's what it's called. It's called a tab, isn't it? I think it's called a tab. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, on the whole, I'm, I'm quite impressed. I can definitely see this changing for our, our users and how they collaborate and communicate. Uh, hopefully, they use email less. Um, I've been using the, um, the chat and the video calling um, quite extensively, and it works really well really well I've not had any issues with it at all so far uh, so yeah I'm looking forward to piloting that uh, in the company and um, we're going to offer training and uh, all that sort of stuff to go with it and I think it's really really going to change the way our users work for the better definitely for the better but I'll tell you one thing it isn't though um, I've mentioned this I used to work for a micromanager. I've mentioned him before in a previous podcast. And uh, he was dead set against uh, direct access, um, which I have to say is, is an absolute godsend. I mean, if you've been listening to, to me ramble on through the previous episodes, you'll know that I'm working from home at the moment because I've got back issues, although I'm going back to work actually in a couple of weeks. Um uh, well, at least twice a week anyway in three days at home which is very nice and very uh, understanding of my workplace so thank you manager but this my previous manager was uh, a micromanager and he was dead dead against direct access couldn't see any benefits in it he completely had blinkers on or any type of that any technology you know that was similar to direct access really and uh, he said to me I met up with him um a few months after, actually, that I'd, I'd left and joined this new company. And he said, you know, the reason we don't need anything like direct access is Microsoft Teams. Uh, yeah, 
okay, you carry on. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got no clue, clearly. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's just no way I could, I could work for one if we just had teams. That'd just be ridiculous. All right. Really, I should finish that the podcast on that as a kind of a, and finally. But yeah. So what else? Um, plaster. I think I mentioned in the last podcast, um, one of the things I was going to try and look at was um, plaster and Saki, P-S-A-K-A, P-S-A-K-E. Um, I did manage to look at plaster. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you what it, what it is and what I think about it. So, you know, I, I don't have a great deal of time to to invest heavily unless uh, it's something that grabs my attention. And I'll tell you now that plaster doesn't require a lot of time, which is a good thing, to become quite good at it, <laughs> which is really good. And I'm not sure of the benefits, really. So what is it? Well, it's... Uh, I think it advertises itself as a, a scaffolding framework. And by that... It means you use normal PowerShell to write it, and what it will do, it will write the scaffolding f- framework basically for something you'd like to do. For example, for example, um, if you've been, I keep saying this, but if you heard the last podcast about doing the job properly, and you looked at my OH tools, go to my GitHub account now, GitHub.com forward slash Oz the two O Z T H E and then the number two. Look at OH tools and look at the directory structure. Um, what Plaster enables you to do is mimic that structure. That's one of the things Plaster can do. And so I could do invoke Plaster, point it to the template of that structure, and it will create that whole file structure with some um, files that I want in there, um, like pester tests, the start of pester test, for example. Um, and it will put a, a readme in there, whatever you want, basically. It'll do whatever you want. It's, it's whatever you tell it to do in, in your PowerShell code, it will do. So it's pretty much um, a glorified copy and paste um, type thing. Um, however, it does give you options. So you don't have to have the options, but you can have it so that when you invoke Plaster, point it to your template, it will say, do you want XYZ directories created? Uh, or do you want the pester tests created? Um, and then you can sort of, if you were in a bigger team, um, you could have a structure that everyone uses Um but you know, one person or one developer may not want a particular folder set, so they wouldn't need to create that. They could have the same structure, but without those folders, or with additional folders, or without those files or additional files. I think you get the idea. So, yeah. So when I first read the documentation on GitHub, um, I felt it was just a glorified copy paste. I mean, it, it will save some time because one of the things it does is creates a PSD1 file for you, um, pre-filled with some of the things that you've already 
told it to pre-fill it with. So that's useful, I guess. Um, and the other thing it can do is also create functions as well. So you can invoke Plaster, and this time you can point it to a template file that creates a function for you, uh, say an advanced function with some of the rudimentary help, comment-based help filled in, and parameters, sort of like a default set of parameters filled in for you. Um, and the way I have it is um, it asks if you want a, an advanced function or a, a basic function, uh, bits and pieces like that. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a glorified cut and paste. Is it worth it? Mm, well, I'm sure it will save me some time now I've done it. Um, I think the biggest time saver for me is probably just the PSD1 file. Although, to be honest, I could have automated that myself and copy-paste on a pre-made file structure, just a standard Control-C, Control-V. Uh, if you, I would say, how long does it take to learn? Um, well, I, I watched a video as well as read the documentation. To be honest, you don't really need to read the documentation if you're not really a reader. If you want to watch the video, which I found on YouTube, um, it's really, really good. It's about an hour long. It's a really, really good video, actually. The person that's presenting it is an excellent, excellent trainer. Um, Christian something. I'll put a link on my website. If you go to uh, fearthepanda.com, um, where I post about this podcast, I'll put a link to his um, GitHub and also the video on YouTube where he gave a talk to, um, I think it was a PS day somewhere in America. He's really good. He makes things, he clearly knows his stuff and he, he makes makes it very, very, very clear how to use it. Um, so altogether, watching that video and then faffing around with it myself and just experimenting with it, um, I would say it would take, in total, three hours to become pretty much a master of plaster. Hey, I've just invented that. Master of plaster. Um, so three hours is not a lot of investment. Is it worth it? Yeah, sort of. Like I said, if you're in a big team, definitely. If you're a one-man PowerShell band like I am, probably not. But, you know, it's another string to my bow. There'll come a time when... Um, I might recognize uh, a case for using plaster and I go, oh, yes, let's use plaster for that. But I've done it now. I've got my templates. They're all done on my uh, GitHub in Osda2. Um, there's a repo there called Plaster Templates. You can literally copy and paste those, run invoke plaster and and um, use those templates. Um, see what they can do for you. Um on the function side of things, where it creates a function, I just um, copied uh, this guy, Christian, that gave the talk in this YouTube video um, from his GitHub. I just literally copied his. Um, I made a slight change to the way he puts his braces in his code, because I prefer my braces at the end of the command, not on a new line. Um, so I did that and just added a couple of bits, but nothing that really made it my own. So. Uh, I've left uh, his name in the code of that template because pretty much it was his. Um, but yeah, uh, have a look. 
have a look on my uh, website, um, watch the video for yourself, take an hour out, maybe do it at lunchtime. Um, and at, at least after watching the video, you'll, you'll know probably just from watching the video whether you think it's something you're going to use or not. Or maybe I'm just missing the point here. Um, next up, um, I've been recommended a book called Rad Radical Candor. Uh, C-A-N-D-O-R. Now, I know I've mentioned about book reviews before and I've not done them. The last one I did was Don Jones, How to Be a Master. Um, TLDR, be excellent to one another. Um, by the way, unfortunately, if you heard that early podcast where I reviewed that, my prediction came true. He is flooding Lean Pub with more rubbish. But anyway, I'll try and review that for the next podcast. I've had a look at the first um, few pages, and uh, it, at least it appears something that I'm interested in. So hopefully I'll finish that. Um, I'm also going to try and take a look at seeing what this sake is all about. And a friend of mine that I've spoken to about it has told me that it's also quite easy to learn. I have to come up with something, something catchy like, uh, like I did with the Master of Plaster. So I'm not going to make a promise on that book review, <laughs> but I'll promise you I'll try. Should I promise that I promise I'll try? I don't know. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, speak to you uh, whenever the next one's out whenever that may be could be next week could be next month your guess is as good as mine bye